Okay, so um, I'm glad you're here, and I want to discuss. I want to discuss loneliness. I want to discuss feelings of abandonment, and I want to do it through the agency of talking about just. Um, I guess one of my my favorite things in the world, or maybe uh, well. Let's leave it at that. One of my favorite things in the world, what, what the world calls coincidences, what, what we call Hashkatha Pratis, God's guiding hand, um, there are no coincidences. And, um, and uh, anyone who's heard uh, more than one of these talks knows that it's, it's one of my favorite things that I always go back to just because I'm... Just because just to see the hand of God in, in our lives is, is so essential. And, and um, Anyway, this past week, actually four things happened to me this past week. Each one was like, in its own way, kind of mind-blowing to me. So, since there was such a conglomeration of these things, I just want to tell over these stories. And then, I, I, I think one of the reasons why these things happened to me is because God knows that when they happen to me, I'm going to tell everybody. <laughs> so, so, they're, they're, so, I guess that means that if you're here and you're listening, on some level they happen to you too, okay? Because everyone's got their own versions of these stories. But to get four in one week is like, just, it's like, it's a lot. It's a lot. So, so um, I, want to, I want to share it and um, also maybe... Just go over again, just maybe how we're to deal with these things. I think the this world is is can be just such a lonely place, and um, you know, I once I, I, I don't remember the source. I don't know if it was a Torah source or a literature or whatever it is, but they they talked about the ability of, of in, a, in a in a sad way. This was a, a sad thought. The ability of someone to be even uh, feel alone in a crowded room, you know. So sometimes, even if someone experiences a real sense of loneliness, it it can even happen when they're among people. So, so what's the greatest antidote to that? What's the greatest fixing of that? And the answer is to understand that a person is never alone. That a person is that God is always there. God is always, 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 always with you. Always with you. And, in fact, it's the opposite. You can't get away from God. And um, Rabbi Green once said something that always stayed with me, which was that, you know, there are, there are a few people in your life, he said three, that if, you, if you're in a room, say you're in a room, and you say, um, can you close the door, I want to be alone. Right? What they'll do is, they'll close the door so that they're still in the room with you. So a child, if you say to a child, can you close the door, I want to be alone, the child will close the door and say, okay, we're alone. (laughs) Or, I think you said about it with your mother also. You say to your mother, can you close the door, I want to be alone, she'll close the door and say, okay, we're alone. And the next one is God. You say, if you're alone in the room, and you say, oh, God, I just want to be by myself. God says, okay, we're by ourselves. (laughs) Say, no, 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 I just want to be by myself. Okay, 
We're by ourselves. No, 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 really. Just, I just want to be alone. Okay, we're alone now. <laughs> so, you know, Rav Shlomo uh, used to talk about hiding from God or hiding with God. So, there's no hiding from God. But you can hide with God. That you can do. You can hide with God. And, um, anyway. So, so, sometimes God, like, sends us these things that, that we call coincidences that are really God essentially revealing Himself and showing us that He's with us. And that's the meaning of these things. That's the, that's the bottom line. God is saying, don't feel alone because I'm with you. Um, would you mind just... Yeah, thank you. Um, so... So I don't know what order to tell you these things in, so I'll just tell you the order in which they happened in. And the truth is, is that I mentioned one of them last, 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 last time we got together, but so I'll go over it just very quickly. Um, we were learning about, before davening in the morning, we were learning about the number of wings uh, that an angel has. And it's a whole field of study. It's a whole field of study. And... Um, and uh, the prophet Isaiah says that there's six wings, and the prophet Yechezkel Ezekiel says that there's four wings, and the Gomorrah and Chagiga in Yud Gimel Ahmed Beis asks, was well, it six wings or is it four wings? And he says, no, it's six wings when there's a base of Migdash. When the Holy Temple is around, there's six wings. When there's no Holy Temple, there's four wings. Meaning that there's a diminishment in the in the in the amount of praises that we can do, in the amount of heavenly work we can do, since, since so many of our mitzvahs involve um, the, the, the temple service, so, so that impacts the number of wings on the angel as well. So, anyway, it's much more involved. If you, if you want to hear the whole talk, it's called, How Many Wings Does an Angel Have? Um, so, uh, anyway, so in our time today, it's four wings on an angel. So after we were learning through this, and there are a lot more Torahs on that subject, it's really quite an amazing topic. But anyway, after learning that Shabbos morning, I was davening, and I was thinking about this realm in heaven, this very exalted realm, which is called Keter, which means crown. Not that I know what that means, or anything like that, but I was just contemplating the thought of Keter, like the top of heaven, basically. And I was thinking about angels, since we were just learning about them, and and everything like that. And, uh, and then into the shul walked a little girl wearing a golden crown hmm. and wearing the wings of an angel. Hmm. And I couldn't believe it. I, I walked up and I counted the number of wings. And it was one, two, three, four. Four wings. Just like it says. So that, that was Sunday. That was, that was Shabbos morning. That was, okay. Sunday... I didn't mention this yesterday. Sunday I went to a wedding, and, um, you know, there's a, there's a custom in Jewish weddings where there's a certain part during the celebration where they put the, the chassan and kala, the bride and the groom, on two chairs next to each other, and everyone just starts to do what they call shtick, which is just like they dance in front of them and they try to entertain them in different ways. And, you know, you can do, if you're a good dancer, you do a good dance move, or some, or you can juggle. There's all sorts of different things that are done and, and everything like that. So I don't really know anything to do. 
And then I learned this like acrobatic trick, which is like, it's like the most rudimentary form of acrobatics. I mean, like anyone can do this trick, which is why I embraced it like so thoroughly, because it looks good. You can do it quickly. And then, you know, you did your job. And, you know, you weren't just standing on the sidelines like a bump on a log. You know, you got to contribute in some way. So, so anyway, how does this trick go? So, so basically, you stand back to back with another person who's your weight, okay? And you interlock arms. So you're standing back to back interlocking arms. And then one person just bends down like this. And the other person is sort of lifted onto their back and it kind of like does, kicks their legs up in the air. And then they, they do the same thing. They bend down and then you are sort of on their back and you kick your legs up in the air. And like I say, looks good, very easy to do. You're in, you're out. You know, that's it. You know? So I... I'm, st- I'm, at this, I'm at this wedding, and I'm looking around, I'm, I'm, I'm looking, I'm like sizing up the, the men, who is my weight, you know, because i got to recruit someone, right? So I find one guy, he's, he's definitely shorter than I am, but he looks to be my weight. So I kind of call him over, and I said, you know, I asked him how much he weighed, and he said, he told me, and it was basically my weight, a couple of pounds more, but that was a good match. Then I, 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 I said to him, I said, do you have a, how's your back? Is your back okay? He says, yeah, my back is good. I said, okay, good. Here, let me show you this thing, and if you want to do it, we can do it, and it'll be nice, you know? So I showed him how to do it, and then he's like, okay, great. And then there's this, like, kind of, like, people, this line of dancers who are going back and forth in front of the chassan and kala, the bride and groom, and then we run on, okay? So now I put him on my back, and he kicks his legs up, and then he throws me, oh my. and I land on my head. <gasps> and half the people were like, that was fantastic! And the other half were like, huh? Should we call an ambulance? And so I jumped up and kind of like went, ta-da! You know, like, you know, because I didn't want them to worry. But... People were coming up to me throughout the thing going, you know, that was actually scary. That was scary. We were scared. Are you okay? And a rabbi who is there, who is a knowledgeable rabbi and, you know, is a, you know, has done a lot of service in the Israeli army, said to me, you should bench Gomel, which is the prayer if you in, almost encountered a, a, if you encountered a life-threatening situation. Because, like, landing on your head is not simple business. You know? So, so I got home that night, and I was thinking, well, you know, he's a rabbi. And he said I should say this prayer, this, you know, that I should bench Gomel. And I thought to myself, was he serious? Was he not serious? Because when he said it to me, he wasn't smiling. <laughs> and he didn't seem happy with me. He seemed like I had, you know, been very foolish. Um, so I got to shul that next morning, which is Monday morning, and they, you say that prayer by the reading of the Torah. And I'm thinking to myself, should I say that prayer? Should I not say that prayer? 
And then I thought to myself, was my life really in danger? Did I almost die? Like, that's what I was thinking, you know? I was thinking of this word, die, dead, right? So, um, so there's... I'm a lady, so I only have one opportunity, really, you know, in the normal order to be called up. Okay, there are other opportunities, but for the most part, you, that's one slot. And there was another lady there who, who I thought was going to be called up for the Aliyah, and for some reason, the person called Mia. So I thought, okay, that's interesting. You know, I got called up for an Aliyah right now, and that is the opportunity to say the prayer right now. So that's sort of interesting. And then, but I was still thinking, do you say it was, did, did I almost die? This is what's going through my mind. And the amount of uh, verses in the Torah that was read during my Aliyah was very small, just like a few lines. And among the words that were read was the word dead. And I went and I said, okay. Grabbed the book, I said, oh, I, I, I just want a bench gold mill, right? <laughs> and I grabbed, it, grabbed the prayer book and just said it, said it straight out, you know? And so that was, that was, that was interesting. Okay, that was the next day. Okay, so now, the next day, um, again, uh, one of the, uh, one of the uh, rabbis said, I've been learning uh, that I, I've really been getting so much out of him. You've heard me mention his name, um, Rabbi Yitzhak Isaac Chaver. He's um, also known as the Or Torah. You know, one of the beautiful things in, 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 in the Jewish world is that um, people are called by the names of their books. Because I guess they put their essence into the book. So you're called after the book, which is a beautiful thing. Like, for instance, the Chofetz Chaim, that's not his name. That's the name of his book. So, and there are many other examples. I, I can't help but to say this over because I, I was just so moved by it. Um, in, in Israel, where the, the, main, uh, the, the main street of the Belz, the Belzer Hasidic uh, community is called Dover Shalom, or Dover Shalom. And it's a big street, and um, and their huge shul is there. If you're ever in Israel, you have to check it out. It's giant, giant, giant structure. Really amazing. And um, yeah, it's it looks like it looks like the holy temple. You know, I mean, it's giant, and um, it's it's new. And um, anyway, I found out after the fact that Dover Shalom was the name of the first book of the Belzer Rebbe. The first Belzer Rebbe, that was the name of his book. And I thought, that's so beautiful that they named their street after his Sefer, his Torah book. And then I realized, no, it's deeper than that. What are they saying? They're saying, where do we live? We're living in the Torahs of the Rebbe. That's where we live. That's our address, is the Torahs of the Rebbe. You know, so, so I really like that, you know. So, anyway, so the Or Torah... This this um, rabbi that I've been really so inspired by, and so I kind of it came to me sometime during the last week to go on the internet and see if I could find some more books by him because some are out of print and and, and I've tried a couple of times but I haven't really been able to get them, and then I I found a source and and it was like it was a bookstore that was in New York actually. But it was like 2 in the morning or 2.30 in the morning approximately in New York City. But I thought, I'll call anyway because maybe they've got one of these 24-hour operators. 
And it, like an old man picks up and says, hello? <laughs> I thought, wow, you know, that's kind of cool. You're up. Don't call your house. But it was also clear to me, I mean, it's hard to, to describe his voice. It wasn't like he just woke up. That, that's not, I guess he was tired, but then again, it was 2.30 in the morning, so I guess he has, he, he has reason to be tired. But anyway, he took my order, and uh, I think there must have been a shul there. He must have been up learning. I'm sure he was up learning to her. But anyway, that aside, uh, the next day, I got, or I'm saying on Tuesday this week, I think it was, maybe it was Wednesday, I got a stack of books from the Oratora, and I was so happy. And I opened up the box, and I was sitting up with this stack of books on my lap, and I'm like, oh my goodness. You know, and I called over my son, I said, look, look at these books, these are from the Oratora, you know. And uh, a very short while after that, maybe a minute after that, the phone rings in the kitchen. And we have caller ID. And my son, who I just said that to, runs into the kitchen, and then he runs back, because he read the name on the caller ID. And he said, it's Ortora. And I was like, wow. That's awesome. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. And it was, but I, I didn't realize it for a while um, because there was an extra degree of uh, providence in that it's a, it was a shul it was a message from a shul and they left a recorded message about an event and we don't get calls from that place that's number one number two you ready for this the name of the shul is Torah Or but they, the nature of core ideas they switch around the names <laughs> So it read Or Torah, which was the name of the person, the rabbi, who had written all these books that I had at that moment, you know? Right? Okay, next story. This is now the next day, okay? I'm at, I'm at, I'm at work and, and um, I'm talking with some people and, um, and, uh, for some reason, the astronomer uh, Tycho Brahe comes up. Tycho Brahe is one of the great astronomers in, uh, in history. And he also has one of the most colorful lives. If you look him up on the internet, you'll see there are amazing stories about Tycho Brahe. And, um, I mean, just one example is he had a pet moose. And, um, I don't know, some people got his moose drunk and it fell down a flight of stairs and died. I mean, very sad. But he had a... He kept... It. In, in those days, someone explained to me afterwards that people would abandon midgets or little people, I guess they're called today. But they were thought to have magical powers. This was back in the day. Anyway, so he had like a... I don't know. He had like a pet midget. Now, I don't know if that's the right terminology. Maybe he just adopted this person who had been abandoned or whatever it is. But, you know, but who apparently was clairvoyant, right? So, just all these strange things. He had a silver nose. His nose was cut off in a 
it was shot off or it was cut off. And he had a silver nose. And, I mean, all, all sorts of amazing things about him. Not only that, but he was exiled. And the story of his exile is actually quite interesting, but I won't go into it. His ex- he was exiled from Denmark to Prague. And this was approximately 1500s, 1600s, in there somewhere. He wrote to someone that Prague is like a total backwater town. And there's no one who I can talk to at all. Remember, he was a great genius, right? He said, except this one old rabbi. And it was the Maharal. So he had a relationship with the Maharal, which is just amazing. Like You can imagine what their conversations must have been. Now, Tycho Brahe, I, I was, the reason why I kind of am fascinated by him, more so than by the colorful stories, it's because I told them that he made this tremendous breakthrough that's always fascinated me, which is that he was the one who determined that the orbit of planets were in an ellipse, not a circle. Now, the reason why that's so significant is because there was, based on Aristotle, um, there was a, um, not based on Aristotle, Aristotle said that the orbit was in a circle. And the reason why the orbit was in a circle is because the sphere is the most heavenly shape. And so since this is going up on in the cosmos, the, the celestial region, it has to be that the orbit would be in a circle. So now imagine how much that was ingrained in people's thoughts. Also, in order to understand that it's an ellipse, if you were to make crude measurements, an ellipse and a circle are pretty close. So in other words, your scientific findings say that it's in a circle. Aristotle himself says that it's a circle. Right? And then there's this aesthetic ideal of the, just the perfection of the sphere that it has to be in a circle. Of course it has to be in a circle. So it makes sense on every single level that it has to be in a circle. So when they came up with the idea that it was an ellipse, that was absolutely revolutionary. It revolutionized. It was a paradigm shift. It was, it was enormous. It was enormous. Now, I went back after I had this conversation. I looked it up on the internet. It wasn't Tycho Brahe. It was Johannes Kepler. Johannes Kepler was the one who figured out that it was an ellipse. Now, why did I mix it up? Why did I think it was Tycho Brahe? Because Johannes Kepler was Brahe's top student. Okay? Brahe made these advanced instruments, recorded reams of data, and based on that, Johannes Kepler was the one who made this breakthrough. Okay? And I wrote an email to, um, uh, you know, that, you know, it was Johannes Kepler. He's the one who made the breakthrough. Okay? So now, the next day, the next day, I'm at Whole Foods, okay? And I'm standing in line there, and I turn to the person who's next to me, just because just I'm waiting, and I see he's got a name tag on. And written on the name tag is Kepler. <laughs> I 
And I, I looked at I said to him, is that Kepler? I said, is that your name? He said, yes, that's my first name. I said, were you named after Johannes Kepler? And he said, yes, I was. <laughs> and he said, my father was an engineer and he really liked Kepler. And I said, can I take your picture, please? <laughs> I said, no one's going to believe this. So I, I'll show you. <laughs> Maybe I'll post it on the website. I'll show you. I have it in my pocket on my, on my camera. I took it up his name tag, and then I thought, you know something? That probably doesn't work. I want to get one also him with the name tag. So I actually have two pictures. I have the close-up of just the name tag. And then I have it of, of him. You know, I got home. I told my wife. She said to me, does, does he work there? And I thought, uh, no, 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 he doesn't work there. He was just online. And then I went back, I looked at the picture, and it, he did work there. It, that was his name tag from working there. I've never seen him there before. And, and anyway, the truth is, it was, I went there at a point during the week when I never go, and I rarely go there anyway, but that's almost beside the point. Um, but I was thinking about it, you know, he was standing in line behind me, and he works there. He was going to buy something. And I thought, you know, Hashem wanted to show me this guy. So I was, clearly, I walked around during my shopping, and I didn't see, I didn't see him. <laughs> and it was though God was saying, no, you don't understand, you're not... I brought you here to show you that I was part of that conversation <laughs> yesterday. I was listening to the whole Kepler thing. I'm showing you a person named after Johannes Kepler to show you that I was there, that I'm listening, that I'm there. And you know what? You didn't see him in the aisles. I'm going to have him stand next to you. You know, usually when you go to a supermarket or something like that, usually there isn't an employee in line behind you. Sometimes it happens. But usually they don't do their shopping during store hours and wait in line with... You know what I mean? So what I love is the fact that I clearly missed him in one of the aisles. And then there he was. Okay, God says, okay, you're, no, you're not leaving the store without seeing Kepler. I'll put them right next to you online, right? I mean, how many lines are there? There are many checkout counters there. Um, so, here's what I've been saying. Here's what I've been saying up until now. And I want to say, I want to I I say something in addition. Um... Because it gave me so much strength. And like I said, I think that it happened to me. These things happened, but really this Kepler thing to me was the crowning kind of thing. Although the thing with the angel's wings was pretty outrageous. Actually, it's all pretty outrageous. The Torah or calling? I mean, you know. I mean, right? I mean, you know, so... Like I said, 
Hashem knows that I'm going to just tell everyone I can tell. In order to communicate this message, because it's true for all of us, God is equally present everywhere in the world. Right? Everywhere. So, so this is not an exception. You're, um, what I've been saying up until now, and I want to say something I think even deeper, um, at least deeper on an emotional level right now. But let me just start with the old thought, which is that when something like this happens to you in your life, I think that people get so overwhelmed, they don't know, they go, isn't that amazing? Or what are the odds? Or how do you figure, right? But, but there's something very productive that we can do, which is that we can pray at that moment. In other words, it says in Pirkei Avos that we are God's children, but it's even even closer relationship because God informs us in a verse in the Torah that we're his children. So in other words, in other words, God is going out of his way to tell us something. So what happens is, is that God is always in our lives. But when something like this happens, God is going out of his way to show us that he's in our lives. That means, that's called in, 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 in Judaism, that's called an esratzon. That's called a time of favor. Or as Rabbi Shlomo would say, the gates are open. Right? So if that's the case, at that moment you have to dominate. You have to pray. Because the gates are open. God is showing you. He's, he's near to you. He's close to you. So you have to pray. And if you don't know what to pray for, everyone should just know this as just a kind of a rule of thumb. There's some basic categories where, where, where you should pray in. There are people who need marriage partners. There are people who need children. There are people who need health. And there are people who need parnosa, money. Okay? Those are your basic categories. You can pray also for Mashiach, for sure. You can pray for a lot of different things. But those are the basic categories. And everyone should have a couple of names in each of those categories that they carry with them when they walk down the street, when they are inspired, when they're davening, whatever it is. Rattle off your list, you know? Have that ready, okay? Yeah. So those categories are people who need a wife or a husband. People who need health. People who need a baby. People who need uh, work, money, livelihood. And Mashiach for sure. Right? So, that's five basic categories. And like I say, you should have names in all those categories and it should just be part of you to be davening on a regular basis. Okay. So now, but now I want to say something else. That I've said before. But now I want to say something else. And I've been saying it kind of throughout since we started uh, this talk. But I want to say it again. Which is, do you know what happens when something like this happens? It, it means that, it means that not only is God with you at that moment, but God was with you earlier. God like, just to use that example again of, of Kepler, that means that it wasn't, it's not just God arranging this thing and sort of appearing and then disappearing again. It's God saying, I was there at that conversation when he came up. I was there when your mind was blown by the difference between an ellipse and a circle in high school, 
when that first thought interested you. I was there with you then also. And I'm with you right now. You know, I heard from Rabbi Shlomo in the name of the Slonim Rebbe that when it says that Amalek attacks us, it says, remember how Amalek attacked you. And the very interesting thing is, even though Amalek was a, a, a nation and an army and he attacked us as a nation, the word you in the Torah is in the singular, l'cha. He attacked you, personally. So the Slonim Rebbe wants to explain it because it really should be in the plural. He attacked us as a people. So why does it say he attacked you individually? Because... So the Salonim Rebbe says the way Amalek attacks us is he tells us that you are alone. You, you're, you're all by yourself. And, and so that's like, that's like, that's, so when one of these things happen, this is God absolutely saying you're not by yourself. Not only aren't you by yourself, you never were by yourself. And you're not going to be by yourself. And hold on to this. You know, I want to, I want to just end with, um, with, uh, you know, could you hand me one of those black, uh, sedan? Just end with, uh, something. You know, we've got a, when things like this happen, or when you hear about things like this, you know, there's an awesome story. I don't know if you saw it on the internet. Someone sent it to me, and I really... I wish I had all the names. I don't have all the names. But, um, but I'll give you enough that if you want to see it firsthand, you can kind of Google with some of the keywords in the story that I'm going to tell you. A beautiful thing. There was a... Um, There's a woman in Israel, and um, she was at this big outdoor concert, and she went because her daughter wanted to go with her, and or her daughter wanted to go, so she went with her. Whole thing. Anyway, she's there, and this like little beautiful child walks up to them, and is just kind of standing there looking at her, and she's looking at him, and I think she's talking to him a little bit. And, I don't remember all the details, but they're interacting on some level, and she's, you know, this child just came up to her. And then the mother calls the child's name. Now, I don't remember the name, I'm sorry. But what's the story? The story, did you see, did you hear about this? Is that what it is? Yes, yes, that's what it is. Yeah, exactly. Do you remember the name of the, of the person? Devere. Devere. So Devere... Passed away, you know the story? Did you hear the story? Devere, in the Gaza War, Devere was the name of the Israeli soldier, the Jew, the first Jew who was killed in the Gaza War. And his picture, he really has a shining face, he's a beautiful guy. And, um, and this couple, this, this woman was pregnant and, um, in, in Israel, and she heard the news. And she also was experiencing some pains in terms of her own pregnancy. 
And she was a little bit concerned about that, like maybe, you know, chas v'shalom, God forbid, the pregnancy isn't going right, or whatever it is. And whatever it is, she got inspired, and she said that that she, the child, God willing, she should be healthy and everything like that, and she wants to name her child after this fallen soldier. And she mentioned it to her husband, and her husband thought that it was a good idea also. And so, when the baby was born, they, they named it, they named it after this, this soldier, Devere. And so, at the concert, the woman yells, Devere, to the child. Right? That was the little boy. And the woman who was interacting with it, who, you know, said, what, what? you know, because it's not that common a name, said, Devere, who did you, why did you name him Devere? And she said, well, because that was the name of the first slain soldier in the Gaza War. And the woman said, that's, that's my son. That was my son. And they said, wow, we wanted to get in touch with you, but there were all these circumstances. We wanted you to be at the naming and everything like that. We weren't able to get in touch with you. A big outdoor concert. So a year, a year later... Or more, maybe. And this child, on his own, went to find the mother. <coughs> so, can we think that we're ever alone? So you say, well, it didn't happen to me. It happened to you. <laughs> we're one soul. We're all one soul. You know, I, 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 I once saw, even though they say the, the, the health-related things in the Talmud really aren't in our time anymore, because just the nature of the world has changed somewhat. So they say that, but I think that this is still around, this idea that when you cut an onion, you're not supposed to begin by cutting the roots off. Okay? They say it's uh, bad for the health. So I thought to myself, man, if I'm not connected to an onion, (laughs) how connected am I to another Jew? Right? We're all soulmates. The whole Jewish people, we're all soulmates. Everyone with each other. So anything that happens, it's happening to all of us. So... Hashem should bless us, that, that we should just, you know, I, I once called it bad math. What's, what's bad math? Bad math is, we make an equation. God is as close to me as I feel His closeness right now. <clears throat> Incorrect. <laughs> you don't feel His closeness at all? He's very close. You feel the opposite, not that he's not close, but that he's very far away. (coughs) He's very close. He's very close. He's just very close. He doesn't go anywhere. You're inside of him, literally. 